Have you ever asked yourself why? Why do I exist? Why is Jesus the only way? Have you ever wondered why you should have community? Why you should be in a small group? Why do I give? Why would I be generous? Why should I serve? And why would I share my faith? Have you ever asked yourself, why should I love my neighbor? That's a hard one. And why would I live a missional life? Why do bad things happen to good people? We all have so many questions. Let's take the time to dive into what scripture has to say. Anyway, welcome to the cross. Good to see you guys here today. And if you're visiting, we're so glad to have you. The easiest way to kind of connect with who we are is through our website, thecrossloganville.org. If you'll go there, there's a ton of different things for you on that startup page, but you'll find a guest card, a connect card. If you would fill that out, that would be so great. We can send you information uh, on the different ministries we have here and how you can connect. We would love to see that uh, take place with you. You'll see our previous sermons uploaded. We started a new series last week that I've titled Why. We're going to build into that over the next weeks. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about why is Jesus the only way? That's an important question to answer. We'll get into why does God allow suffering? Uh, why do I live a missional life? Why do I serve? Why do I share my faith? Why do we believe the Bible? Why do we pray? All, all, all these questions are like, yeah, so why, why do we do that? And I think it's important to uh, answer those questions. So it'll be a great, great journey with you. I've had people ask me, uh, do, do y'all take up an offering here? Some of the churches I went to in the past, once they got through with the front end of the singing, uh, on the first part, they would pass an offering bucket. We, we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, we have a different method than passing the, passing the offering plate, if you will. Uh, you'll look at the seat backs in front of you. There's a couple of different items in there. You'll see a giving envelope. A lot of people still use this. And so whether it's cash, check, whatever they do, there's boxes on the walls. There's uh, boxes, uh, offering boxes on the communion tables. A lot of people use that. A lot of people use, uh, they can scan uh, this code right here. It'll take you to our Give app on our website. A lot of people set up faithful, uh, consistent giving that way. And so, uh, no, we do not pass the bucket, but we do. We do value living a generous life, a life of generosity. And we do believe uh, even throughout Proverbs, Malachi, we're told to bring uh, the first fruits into the Lord. Tithe plus is the mindset that we have. And so we believe that God wants every one of us participating and being uh, faithful uh, in regards to our giving and living generous lives. And so that's how we do it here. And for the ones of y'all that are faithful and, and take part, thank you for doing that, okay? Let's pray it up, and I want to dive into... Uh, our, our message for today. Father, we love you, we need you, and we do. We fall face down and we call you King of Kings and Lord of Lords, your God. Lord, I pray that we would eliminate distractions and silence phones or anything right now, that we would pause and that we would desperately desire to engage with you right now. For those watching online, those in this room, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would encounter and embrace you are God, our good, faithful, loving God. I pray that we would experience you in this space now, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, guys, uh, I posed three questions to you. Here are the three. What does God want from my life? 
What will it cost me? And why should I surrender to Jesus? Those were the three questions we pondered last week. What does God want from my life? What will it cost me? And why should I surrender to Jesus? We gave you answers and talked about devotion. God wants our devotion, our devoted love. We talked about what is it going to cost? It's going to require discipline in our lives. And then why should I surrender? And we talked about two words, the cross. The power of the cross, God so loved that he gave, that Jesus was willing to die a sacrificial criminal's death to atone us. We're going to dive deeper into that conversation, if you will, today on why was I created. Now, let me say this as I get ready to launch. There's four basic questions that plague the human soul. Every worldview, ideology, philosophical thought, uh, in regards to world religions, try to answer these four. And the four questions are the question of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Those are the four. Every worldview tries to answer these. So people want to know uh, origin. They try to give satisfaction, uh, 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 satisfactory answers to the question of origin. Where did this all come from and where did I come from? The question of meaning, why do I exist? Man, we're going to drill deeper in that one today. Then the question of morality. Is there a standard of moral absolutes and objective truth that we're to live by? And we would say, yes, there is. We find it in the 66 canonized books called the Bible. And then the question of destiny. What happens when a person dies? Those are the four. We're talking about question two here today on the question of meaning. So I want to look at three questions, and I want you to contemplate these as I work through them. We will look at the question of existence. Why am I really alive? People have pondered that question for years. The question of significance. Does my life matter and have value? People struggle through that one. And then the question of meaning, what is the purpose of my life? Let's dive in. The question of existence. Why am I truly alive? If you go back in Scripture to Genesis chapter 3, from the time sin entered into the equation and man began to drift from God, humanity has tried to answer that question. Why am I alive? Why do I exist? If you talk to a hedonist, they will tell you that the reason you exist is all about pleasure. You exist for the purpose of pleasure. Have all the fun you can party hard like a rock star, go for the gusto. It's all about pleasure. Hedonism is one of the worldviews that so many people buy into even in our day. Then you look at the materialistic person. They believe that, hey, you exist for the purpose of acquiring all the stuff and all the things that you can. He who wins He who dies with the most toys is the one that wins. That's that philosophy. It falls apart in a thousand different areas. If you ask people that are part of the New Age movement that has saturated our culture, they will tell you that you exist for the purpose of inventing your own purpose. It's whatever you want it to be. That's the world in which we find ourselves living. Why Why do I really exist? Why am I alive? The prophet Isaiah made this observation. We find it in chapter 20, or should I say Jeremiah. We find it in chapter 20 uh, of his writings. 
He wrote the book of Jeremiah as well as the book of Lamentations. But listen to what Jeremiah concluded. He goes, I cursed the day I was born. Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, with sorrow, and shame. I would tell you, based on that perspective right there, there is no sense in singing happy birthday to Jeremiah. <laughs> don't bring him a cake and don't celebrate him. Why? He's like, man, I, I, I wish I would have never been born. Have you ever felt that way? When life begins to beat you up and the circumstances of life, it just wore you out and you sit there can. And you start to conclude, man, was I just born for the purpose of problems? Is my life going to be just saturated forever with grief and heartache and, and stress? Why was I put on the planet? My life absolutely is terrible. You ever felt that way? I've had conversations with people, man, that just didn't want to live anymore. Jeremiah, why would you write that? This man was a prophet of God. God gave him an assignment to take the word of God to the people. And he continued to cry out to the people, God is good. God loves you. But the wrath of God is coming if you do not repent. And the people shunned him and continued to push him away day after day after day after day. And as he continued to try to stay faithful to God, in the midst of his life, he threw a few pity parties along the way. Jeremiah, what's up? If you read in Lamentations chapter 3, he pens some of the greatest words where he goes, great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I sing. God, you're good. But in the midst of the grind, he started looking at his life, Caitlin, and he's like, man, why was he even born? Life's too hard at times. Can I tell you something? Even godly people get discouraged at times. I'm tired. Life is hard. And people that live a life without purpose, without God, it is a hopeless journey. When you look at our culture today, the suicide rate has exploded even here in America. Even these last four years, go back and look. Why is there so many people tapping out saying, I have no reason for being on, the, being on the planet. This world would be better off without me. In America right now, the number two killer of teenagers is suicide. 4,000 students between the ages of, of grades 7 and 12 attempt suicide every day in America. I think they have landed where Jeremiah landed. I don't have any hope. I don't have any peace. I don't have any joy. I don't have any purpose. Why am I alive? I don't even want to be alive. And I shared with you a few months back when we started our What series and we were dealing with what is truth. And we talked about in our culture what we've seen is the progression of deterioration. And, and it starts when we question God. Has God really said? And we start to listen to the lies of the world and the enemy. And we go from 
questioning God to, I will ignore God, I'll do whatever I want to do. And then it comes to the place where we start to reject God, and then we get to the place where we eliminate God, and then we get to the place where we are convinced that we have become our own small G God, and it's up to us to call the shots. Can I tell you something? That is an entire worldview void of God. And the country in which we live right now, and the culture in which we find ourselves living, I can tell you this. This is a godless society. And this country has done everything politically, even in other places as well, to try to totally eliminate God. You go, what, what, what is the U.S.? It's an anti-God society in so many areas. And it's so easy to get beat up and knocked down. We look at the life of David, and he was considered to be a man after God's own heart. And if you study through the Psalms, it's almost like David is this bipolar, manic, depressed dude. I mean, he's on the mountaintop one day, and then he, he's pitting out in the valley the next. And I mean, he's all over the place, if you will, in reading the Psalms. He struggled. The same guy that wrote Psalm 23 wrote Psalm 42. I'll glance at that with you in a second. But the same guy that penned that most beautiful poetic piece, the Lord, he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Oh, the Lord is so good. In Psalm 42, he writes from a, a place of just disruption of the soul. And he's basically saying, I'm so spiritually dry, and I've reached a place of depression. And when you read it, he's got tears and discouragement and defeat, and he's so overwhelmed with life and circumstances. Listen to this, Psalm 42, verses 5, 8, and 11, just some pieces there. But he makes this statement. He goes, why are you in despair? Oh, my soul, my soul. My heart, my thinking, my emotions, why are, you, why are you in so much despair? Why have you become so disturbed and downcast within me? Stop. He's almost talking to himself, going, you got to stop and hope in God. He writes, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. His song will be with me at night. I, I know that, but I've drifted from it. Why are you in despair, my soul? Why are you so disturbed? Hope in God. I shall praise him. Let me give you three observations. Write this. This is for somebody in here today. When you're going through difficulties and you feel like throwing in the towel and you're like, I'm done. I'm exhausted. I can't do it anymore. Three things I would encourage you with. First, you've got to look inward and get honest. You've got to stop and go, my soul, why are you downcast? Why is there so much despair and you're disturbed right now? He uses this phrase, downcast, despair, which was the portrait of a shepherd taking care of sheep. And David was a shepherd. And so it was the portrait of a sheep as it was going along, it, it would get knocked over. Something would happen. Something would bump into it and it would get knocked over. And once it got on its back, a sheep can't get off his back. And so what would happen is the sheep is laying there and the blood starts to flush out of his limbs and it starts to just, 
it starts to drown him in his own lungs, and he's laying there in this, that's what downcast means. I'm in this downcast position. He's talking about his soul, and he's like, I can't get up. And, and what would happen is the shepherd would come over and, and see the sheep, and what he would have to do is he would have to gently flip it over, and then he would have to grab it underneath it and gently hold it for a period of time until the blood started circulating back through its legs where it could walk again. And he's like, you know what? That's where my soul is. I'm on my back. I'm knocked down. I don't want to do life anymore. I'm, I'm losing the essence of life inside of me. What do you do? I, I got I, I to look inward, and I've got to get in my prayer closet and get with God and figure out what's going on. And I've got to identify and itemize specifically what it is that's disturbing my soul. What, what is happening in my deepest heart? What's the pain and turmoil and chaos? And i got to get this in the light, God, because it's wearing me down and it's killing me. That's what you got to do. Why, why am I alive? And it's easy to lose focus and perspective. He goes, hey, hey. The second thing you've got to do is look upward. That's where he goes. Hey, in the midst of all of your craziness on the horizontal, you've got to fix your eyes on the vertical. He says, put your hope, on, put your hope in God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust him. He's our rock. He named every star. He, he, he heals the brokenhearted. C come to him. He's our rock and our refuge and our hiding place and an ever-present help in time of trouble. Life is tough right now. Yeah, it's tough. you got to look inward. What's disturbing me? Then you start to look upward. And then third, you start to look outward and start to focus on the future. Yes, because my hope is in God. And my God has proven himself to be faithful. And God's going to see me through this. And God has never forsaken me. He never has and he never will. I'm going to focus on the future because I've got hope. And there's so many people that don't have hope. I'm wore out. I'm, I feel like I've got purpose. You were created with purpose. Every one of you in this room, you're, you were created with purpose. And, and I, I, I want you to hear this. There, there's five things. Write it down. Underscore it. Think about it. You're here for a reason. Why was I created? First, I would say this. You were created for God's pleasure. God, you created me for your pleasure? Yes. What do you want me to do? Because I've placed you here, I want you to worship me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to find the unforced rhythms of my grace in your day-to-day. -day. I've placed you here for my pleasure. I created you for me. You're not going to find life and meaning and purpose and satisfaction apart from me. You exist for me. You've got to ask yourself this question, what is the center of my life? We used that circle, the will last week, and go, what, what occupies the center of my life? And when Christ becomes the center, he starts to give us purpose in our personal family, community life, work life, worship life, whatever we're doing. But if we allow money and pleasure and all these toxic things to occupy the center, it's going to mess us up. What's the center of my life? Christ, when you become the center, then I'm able to worship you and walk with you because I was created for your pleasure. The second thing is why, why, why did God create you? He created you so that you would become like Christ. 
He created you so that you would be conformed into the likeness of Christ. He says in Romans 8, 29, to those God foreknew, he also predestined those to conform them, Dean, into the likeness of Christ. Here's where I would go with that. This is dealing with discipleship. Come, be my disciple, my Talmud. Learn from me. Hang with me. What's the, what's the character of my life is the question. What kind of person am I? What kind of person am I becoming? What kind of person do I desire to be? Why do you exist? I exist for God's pleasure. I exist to become conformed into the likeness of Christ. Why do you exist? I exist to serve God. I'm, I'm to be a minister of the gospel. Well, I don't have the title. No, you do. God gave it to you when he saved you. You're going to be a minister of reconciliation. You've got to ask the question, what is the contribution of my life? What kind of contribution am I making? Am I making a kingdom impact? Am I living a generous life? I was created with purpose. Why? For God's pleasure to be conformed into the likeness of Christ, to serve God. I, I was created with a unique assignment. I was born an original. I don't have to die a copy. God wants me living a missional life. You've got to ask, what, what's being communicated with the way I'm doing life? What, what are, you, are you living a missional life today? That's going to be one of the things we dive deeper into later. Why do I live a missional life? What does that look like? And then the last I would say is, God created you and redeemed us, if we know Christ, to be connected with his family. I want you to be a part of God's family. I want you to be in fellowship, community. Get in a small group. Do life with other people. Find some people to do life with. My buddy Dallas, man, I love Dallas. We hang out all the time, right? We're neighbors now. But Dallas came to me about five years ago, and he said, uh, hey, I, I want to sh share a thought with you. He said, there's this ministry. A buddy of mine started it out in uh, Texas. He said, and it's called KOZ, Kids Outdoor Zone. And I said, okay. And I said, so, so what's it about? And he said, really, it's targeting these fatherless boys that are growing up with dads not a part of the picture, and they really don't have a, a, a male man in their life every day, and it's to shepherd their hearts. He said, but even bigger than that, it's getting men together to do life with other men and, and, and to grow men and to see men really start to bond with one another and grow themselves. And he goes, I think, I, I think we could do it. So I said, let's launch it. So we launched Howard KOZ. And all of a sudden, man, there's a few guys helping out with Dallas, John, Mark, and, and Howard, you're out there. And, and there's a bunch of other guys that started going out there. And all of a sudden, the numbers went from four or five kids to now we got like 25 kids showing up at times with KOZ. And those kids go out there. Tyler, you're out there with them. And they go out there. And a lot of these dudes don't have a dad in their home. And these guys are teaching them and shepherding their hearts and doing cool things. I'm like, that's, that's so cool. Well, about two years ago, Dallas invited this guy, Jimmy. Jimmy attends our church. Jimmy always sits in the very back, first service. I got here this morning at 7.30. Jimmy was here. Jimmy puts the flags out there. Jimmy will help put cones in the parking lot. Jimmy's one, like one of the first people here on Sunday morning. Jimmy will park in the same spot. I mean, he's just like here. He's loyal. He's faithful. He's dependable. He, he's here, but in regards to deeper connection, he, 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 he didn't have a lot of deeper connection. So Dallas says, hey, Jimmy, I, I hear that you're good with the bow and arrow, and we would like to teach our young boys, man, how to shoot a bow, and would you want to come out? And Jimmy goes, yeah, I, I, I'll come out there. Jimmy's 66 years old now. 
yeah, I'll come out there. So he goes out there and he's teaching these kids, man, this bow, this arrow, release, and all this stuff. And there was this one little dude there. And this one little dude just took a liking to Jimmy. And this one little dude, he doesn't have a dad in his life. And his dad's in prison and incarcerated. And this little dude's got all these wounds in his life. And Jimmy spent more time with him. And all of a sudden, he got time for everybody to leave, to dismiss. And uh, they started going toward their cars. And this little dude, he, he's walking. It's about a 75-yard walk. And he's starting to walk. And his mom's there to pick him up. And he's, he's walking in that direction. And he gets by halfway. And he turns around and... And he sees Jimmy, and he runs back, and he, he grabs Jimmy by the leg, and he begins to cry, and he don't want to leave. And eventually, he, he, he went home. This is Jimmy's first time going there. And so but Dallas looked at Jimmy and said, uh, hey, we do this every month. Uh, you want to come back next month? And Jimmy goes, absolutely, I'll be there. Uh, you, you doggone right, I'll be there. And so Jimmy starts hanging with these guys. He's hanging with these guys. And so he's starting to do life with them, and he feels like he's a part of something. And Jimmy's mom, 101-year-old, he came up to me last Sunday, and he goes, I don't think mama's got much time left, Tim. I'm like, come on, Jimmy. He said, I think this is it. And she passed away. He sends Dallas a text. Hey, Dallas, you know mama passed away. Uh you guys are my brotherhood. Do you think you could find six of those men to be the pallbearers for my mama? And Dallas goes, Tim, I felt so honored that Jimmy would ask us to come out there with him. How did that happen? There was one dude that invited another dude. This is the gospel, one beggar telling another beggar where bread can be found. It was one dude telling another dude, hey, you, you want to come out there? You like playing with bows and arrows, right? Yeah, and we do all this outdoor stuff with these kids, man. We're trying to teach them some life lessons and share the gospel and love them. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll come out there. And when I started thinking about that, I was like, you know, look at my man Dallas. Dallas, why are you here for God's pleasure and to become like Christ and to serve God. So how, how are you going to serve him? We can start this KOZ. And so, so, so what's your unique assignment? Man, I grew up without a dad. My dad left me when I was two. That's Dallas's story. But I had this wound in my heart. John Martin's got this wound in his heart. I mean, there's all this pain and violation. And a bunch of these guys that show up grew up with not men in their life. And guess who's got a heart for little boys growing up without men in their lives? And then all of a sudden you see it happen. Would you get with God and spend some time dealing with those five questions? What's the connection? What's the contribution? What's the character? God, God I need help. Let me move to the second question. I can spend more time there because I think it's pretty powerful. Then you've got to deal with the question of significance. Does my life matter and does it have value? I, I really want you to do this. Like even tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you to take this passage right here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Would you please take it? I'm going to break it down right now, but I want you to take it tomorrow and spend about 15 to 30 minutes with the Lord. You'll see why. Ephesians 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. What have you blessed us with? You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly 
places in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to this. Long ago, even before he made the world, even before he said, let there be light, even before he spoke the stars and the waters into existence, before he made the world, Chris, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So you were choosing me to love me in Christ that I would be holy and walk with you. Yes. So you're telling me that I was created to be loved by you and blessed by you. That's, that's why I made you. I love you. I created you to love you and to bless you. That's it. Yes, I didn't need you. I wasn't lonely. It, it's not like I'm a codependent style God. I made you to love you and bless you. You were created. Listen to me. You were created to experience God, to encounter God, to embrace God, and to walk a life of holiness. Why was I created? Why do I exist? Don't go to the New Age thinking, the hedonistic, materialistic style thinking. That's why I exist? Yeah. You're living life today at one of three levels. You're living life today at one of three levels. Everyone that walks in here is living life at one of three levels. Survival, success, or significance. Those are the three levels. There's so many people that I meet, they're in survival mode. They're just barely getting by. They're controlled and consumed by their circumstances. When you see them, they're going through the motions. And deep down inside, that person has, has concluded, my life will never get any better than it is. A survival mode. The truth is, if you don't know your purpose and why God put you on the planet, life will make no sense to you. You'll continue to drift, and you'll go in and out of different less wild lovers. Let me ask you, are you stuck in the rut, same old routine, day after day after day after day, and you're like, man, it's survival mode, and I've been living here for years? That's where some people live. And God doesn't want you to stay there, and you don't have to stay there. Survival. And then you see some people living at what I call the success level. It's where some people are today. And by the world's standards, they've got the right job, and they've got the right clothing, and they live in the right house with what appears to be the right person, and they drive the right car, and they got good money. I got good money, brother. And those people look and they go, man, I got some possessions and even some popularity. But then they start to think this. If this is success, why do I feel so blah and empty and confused? There's people that are living there today. I'm at the success level, but I'm empty. There was a gentleman in his early 60s. He started coming here a few weeks ago. He came up to me during the prayer time, and with tears flooding down his face, he goes, Tim, I have lived at the success level. People told me, look, look at the money you're making. Look at what you got. And he said, I'm miserable. 
And there's so many people that live there. They have bought into this ideology of the world that says, this is what success is. And they work their entire lives, and they work their tail off, and they climb the stinking ladder, and they get to the top, and they go, this is the wrong building. And then we have what is called the significance level, and I believe this is where God wants me and you to live every day. But to live at the significant level, it implies three things. One, you know the meaning of life. You stop, you look back at what I shared. I am created for God's pleasure. I am created to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. I'm created to serve, to give, to live, to bless, to encourage. I'm, I'm here to be a connected person with other people. You go, I know the meaning of life, the secret to life. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God, and it's to be treasured and stewarded for his glory. Second thing you realize is you realize how much you matter to God. You start to buy in and believe what is said in Ephesians 1, that God loved you. He chose you. He, he created you to bless you. That's what you want to do? Yeah. And then you start to walk in the purpose of what your life is. You realize that you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. And you start to realize that you were born an original. God don't want you dying a copy. You're a one-of-a-kind piece of art. And you're like, yes, the secret to life. I'm starting to tap into it. Listen to this. Somebody needs to hear this. You matter to God. You matter to God. You're not a piece of junk. Maybe even your parents told you, hey, you're the run of the litter. And they're like, you were an accident. You're not an accident. God don't make accidents. You're created with purpose. You came about as a one-night stand. You're no accident. You're created by Almighty God. Psalm 139, I love this one. Starting in verse 13, the psalmist that wrote Psalm 42 that was in despair. Listen to this one as he pins it. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul, soul, soul knows it well. Dude, you were pitting out over there a few chapters ago. I know, I know, I know, but I put my hope back in God, got my perspective right. Listen to what he said. You saw me, God, before I was born. You knew every day of my life. It's recorded in your book. How precious. Are your thoughts about me, oh God, they cannot be numbered. If you woke up in the morning, please take the Ephesians 1, marry it with the Psalm 139. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you're like, if God had a wallet, my picture would be in it. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by God. His thoughts toward me are precious. His thoughts toward me is not to arrest me, not to beat me up, not to punish me. He's not a cosmic sheriff. He's a loving, agape, heavenly father. If you woke up every morning and you go, the God that created me, he tells me he loves me, he wants to bless me, and his thoughts toward me are precious. And if you start to walk that way, his thoughts toward me are precious. 
digs me. He loves me. He don't need me. I need him. Hey, dudes, dudes, dudes. If I start living that every day, his thoughts toward me are precious. Then guess how my thoughts toward my wife is going to be? Oh, my thoughts toward you, Barbara, precious. I love you. That same God that created me created you, and his thoughts toward you were precious. So who am I to have different thoughts and different attitudes toward you? And then I see people walking down the street, no matter who they are, no matter their socioeconomic portfolio, no matter their color, no matter their origin. And I look and go, God's thoughts toward you are precious. How, how would you treat your neighbor? That, that, that's, what, that's what you mean? Yeah, I'm a, I made you. I made, I made Tara. You, you made me yeah, just the way you are. I made her just the way she is. You know everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Yes, just like I do her. You matter to God? Yes. Does she? Oh, yes. Why did I put her on the planet? To love her. To bless her. You did? Yes. When you see people, you go, what a thug. They're not a thug. God's thoughts toward them are precious. Listen, you're living in sin. You're screwing up your life and the collateral damage that you're creating with other people. Stop. Put your hope in God. Quit being a scam, dude. Come on. Our time on this planet is so short-lived. You get a dash. As I said last week, my buddy Walter did his funeral. He got 71. My buddy Benji got 56. Barb's dad got 96. Jeff and Jamie were sitting here this morning. Their little boy Levi got five years. This dash. It's going by too quick. And you're going to spend more time in eternity than you are here. That's why it's so important to live with eternity as my backdrop. Where are you going? I'm going to be with the king. His thoughts toward me are precious. He redeemed me with his blood. He's filled me with his Holy Spirit. Where are you going? That's where I'm going. Then since you're going there and this is not home, why don't you travel light here? Why don't you get rid of that junk that's weighing you down? You going to get rid of it? Yes. You going to get rid of that stuff that robs you of your peace? Yes, I, I, I want to get rid of that. Did y'all get rid of that cat? Yes, praise the Lord, I got rid of that stinking cat. <laughs> For some odd reason, I don't know, maybe Barb's about to be 60, so I think it's past midlife crisis, but about a year and a half ago, she's like, I just want a kitten. I want a kitten. We had Cameron, the kitten, and Cameron got old, and Cameron died. I want a kitten. And then all of a sudden, she doesn't come in with a kitten. She comes in with two kittens because these two little brothers, but the one was feisty, and he got outside, and the dog next door told him it was time to go see Jesus, so we're left with one kitten. <laughs> so I got this little kitten. And I'm looking at this house we move into and this furniture, and I'm like, 
when this is tore up and Hannah just bought a brand new plant and she's mad at the cat because the cat is chewing up her plant. She goes, I just dropped $25 on that plant. And then, then we had this one cat and then Barb wanted this second little cat. Oh, we need another one. Harley needs a friend. <laughs> so let me tell you something, Dr. Phil. <laughs> He's good with being an only child. So we get this other little kitten. And this kitten was wearing me out. I mean, I don't know if cats, where he was getting his crack supply from, but he was on something. <laughs> and this dude is like zooming and zooming and bam, he's climbing up this. And so this is no lie. This is no lie. We, we start celebrating Christmas early, and so we, we got our tree up. Well, the Monday before Christmas, I get home, and our tree's in the garage. We had no ornaments on the tree because this little dude, Louie, he's friends with Huey. But Louie, <laughs> Louie's destroying the tree. I mean, I, I come in, it's thinking branches are bent down on the tree. It's artificial. And I look at it, and then finally one day, he bit through the wire, and I'm like, I was thinking about Christmas vacation. I was like, I'm not that lucky. <laughs> but this cat, I'm telling you right now, I, I, I walked out one day and I said, Dallas, stinking cat is robbing me of peace right now. He's driving me crazy. Right? We have this family gathering. All these people are coming over. Barb buys this. She goes up to Great Harvest. She gets this bread. Not only is the bread wrapped in plastic, but the bread is wrapped in one of those whatever extra things. We go in there and stinking cats through, chew through both layers, and there's bread all over the place. And she goes, I got to throw half that bread away. And I said, I'm telling you. <laughs> I grab that stinking tree. It's in the garage. I take it out. I got to pull it apart. I fold it up, and I start to shake it, and cat hair goes all over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> stinking cat. So we didn't have a tree at Christmas. We had one up until the week before Christmas. And I was like, somebody has got to take this cat. And oh, my friend Emma, that God so graciously sent here from Colorado. <laughs> she works at a barn. And she goes, I'll talk to the lady there. And she came and got Louie. <laughs> and when Emma drove down the driveway, I was chanting with Dr. King. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. So Emma's been sending Barb pictures, and Louie loves the farm. I'm like, I don't care if he likes it or not. I just don't want him. I'm going to spend a lot of time in eternity, not much here, and based on how much I get here, I'm still going to try to eliminate those things that Rob me a piece that you got to get rid of that stuff. Free it up, baby. I can't believe I told that story. I didn't tell you the first time. I was sitting here going, stinking cat. Tell the story about the cat. It's hard to be a saint and keep a godly attitude when you have a cat. The only thing I regret, let me stay on this story for a second. The only thing I regret is two weeks before we got rid of Louie. I took him to the stinking vet and dropped about $75, hoping that we could, it didn't work. <laughs> All right, so then you get to the question of meaning. Let me wrap it up. Living with a God-centered purpose. Living with a God-centered purpose. 
Thomas Aquinas said, man's ultimate pleasure and purpose consists only in the contemplation of Almighty God. Man's ultimate pleasure on life, fulfilling his ultimate purpose, it consists only in the contemplation of Almighty God. Which means when you sit there and you start to ponder and consider who God is, how marvelous, mighty, powerful God is, you start to realize how little and small we are. And you go, I've been created for you. And because I've been created for your pleasure, I'm telling you, this is what changed for me. Knowing Christ in a personal way, then knowing how God's wired me and who I am. Ah, oh, I know how you wired me. I, know, I, I really do believe I know why you put me here. Assignments may vary, but I'm a truth proclaimer and a soul connector and awakener. I know why you put me here, yes. I'm telling you, it gives your life day in and day out tremendous meaning. I'm going to close you with this. Living a life with purpose, okay? It keeps your life pointed with direction. I got purpose. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Right, Proverbs 3, 5, that, that, that stuff in there. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll, he'll make your path straight. Hey, since I surrendered to Christ, my life is pointed with direction. Proverbs 17. Sensible people keep their eyes fixed on wisdom. Sensible people. He contrasts the foolish and the wise and sensible people versus those that are ignorant. But a fool, their eyes wander to the ends of the earth. You, you want to live a life that has direction? And you're like, man, I, I like where God has taken me. It's going to be bumpy and hurt at times. I got direction, Caitlin. Come on, baby. We got to get this. Living with purpose defines success in a proper way. I talked about so many people live in survival mode. Some people go, I'm living success by the world's standards. But if you want to define success in a proper way, you've got to come to the Father. Even the way Paul writes this, and I like the way the New Living Translation captures Philippians 1 right here, verse 10. Listen to what he says. I want you to understand, I want you all to understand what really matters. So that, hey, hey, if, if you can really get your mind wrapped around what really matters, I mean, let me tell you what this is going to do. I want, you to, I want you to get it so that you may live pure and blameless until Christ returns. Don't you want to live pure and blameless and free? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the way I want to live. Here's another thing I would say that I'm going to pray. Living a life of God-centered purpose. I wrote three things. It reduces frustration. Man, I'm freed up with the Lord. God's doing something. I'm plugged in. I'm trusting him. Circumstances don't define me. So when you're living a life of defined purpose biblically before the Lord, it reduces frustration. It makes making decisions easier. Okay, eliminating that. It increases motivation. I'm living a life with purpose. I'm not thinking hungover. I'm not grinding through it based on the world's system. It gives you reason to get up in the morning. Come on. I'm pumped to get up. I'm not 
I'm not a sluggard. I'm not dragging through it. Here's another thing. Right, listen to this. It enhances concentration. All of a sudden, I'm starting to know my purpose, and I'm starting to get free, and it frees me to focus. And it's, all of a sudden, man, the more I walk with the Lord and the more purpose, man, it, it's eliminated distractions in my life because I'll look at certain things and go, hey, you're not making the trip anymore because I'm living with eternity as the backdrop, and I'm living with purpose, and I know where I'm going, and you can't come with me any longer. You're not making the trip. Whatever that is, come on, don't you want to get freed up? Don't you want to, don't you want to live for freedom and purpose in Christ? Don't you? 